1: So this is the problem. The Judaizers were telling people in order to be saved, they had to and, and keep the laws, they had to be, keep the laws of Moses and be circumcised. And Paul says, you know, these guys are classic hypocrites because they're compelling you to be circumcised and keep the law. But there were areas of the law that they preached that they didn't even follow. And don't you understand? Listen, religious people don't keep the law. Well, you know, we need to, we, we really, if you don't worship on Saturday, I mean, you're, you know that you're guilty of hell's fire. If you don't do this, then you're guilty of going to hell. If you don't do that, well, maybe you don't do those things, but let's look into your life and see what you do do. Religious people don't keep the law. Well, if the Sabbath is so important, then if you really are a Sabbath keeper, then you can't even cook food on Saturday. Now, I don't know anybody that doesn't eat anything on Saturday. Anybody here? Anybody anywhere? You can't wash clothes on Saturday. You can't even walk a certain distance on Saturday. Well, let me ask you. Do you go to the supermarket on Saturday? You wash your clothes on Saturday? You clean your windows on Saturday? You clean your house on Saturday? Hope you do. Clean your house on Saturday? Yeah, well, I do those things. I just, uh, you know, well, wait a minute. You're not keeping the Sabbath. Religious people, here's the point, don't keep the law. And these religious Judaizers didn't want to put up with the persecution that comes because of the cross. And Paul said the, their real motive for their ministry was to make a good show so they could boast and glory in their flesh. But in contrast, verse 14, go ahead and look at it. Paul says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I literally stand crucified unto me. And I to the world stand crucified unto me. Paul says, the world has been crucified to me, and I stand that way toward the world, literally. You know, like, unlike people today, you know, people don't care about they they didn't care about the glory that came. Paul didn't care about the glory that came uh, from, from fleshly efforts. Paul didn't care about the glory that came from riches. Paul didn't care about the glory of status and power. Paul only cared about the glory of the cross, the glory of the cross, or boasting in the cross. Now listen to this. There couldn't be any two words In the Bible, more opposite than glory and cross. These two words, listen, didn't even go in the same sentence. And the reason these words are completely opposite is because there was nothing glorious about the cross. I mean, think about that. The cross was the underscore, bold, underline. The cross was the most humiliating and shameful way to die. As a matter of fact, listen to this. In the polite Roman society, if someone was condemned to die by crucifixion, the sentence structure, because they were condemned on a document, the sentence structure on that document would say that they are condemned and they are to hang on the unlucky tree. They are to hang on the unlucky tree. The word cross was never used in a document. Are you getting me? Okay, The word cross was like the unmentionable word. So Paul not only used the unmentionable word, but he also gloried in it. The unmentionable word, but he also glory in it. No one would ever glory or boast in the cross. When Paul says, I glory or boast in the cross, listen, Paul isn't talking about a piece of wood that Jesus' hands and feet were nailed to. He's not talking about that. Do you understand that the cross was just a piece of wood? Now, there are people, I hope you know where I'm going with this. There are people who worship the cross. They've come to me and said, Pastor Rodney, how come there's no cross in the church? You should have a cross in the church. How come, what is that thing behind your head? How come there's no cross in the church? Because, you know, and I actually, I didn't really, even occur to me one time, they said there's no cross in the church. I, I began to think, I went, you know, they're right. There, there is no cross. There's no cross in the church. And some people, they want a cross because for them, To see something tangible or to see some image gives them a point of contact. And some people even go as far as to worship the cross itself. Some people get upset that we don't have a cross in the church. I know some people don't even come to the church because they don't think we love Jesus. We don't love the cross. That's why we don't have one. Listen, we don't worship the cross because the cross is not important. The cross is a symbol. Can you say a better amen than that? The cross, listen, is just a symbol. The cross is not important. It's what happened on the cross that's important. Right. That's right, the cross was a piece of wood. That's right. The cross was a tree. But it's what happened on the cross that is what is important. Paul says, I glory and I boast in the fact of what happened on the cross he says, I'm glorying, I'm boasting in the fact that our sins were paid for. Atonement was made. Redemption complete. die. it is finished. Paul says, I'm glorying in that. That's what he means when he says I'm glorying in the cross. He says, I'm not, I don't have hope in all these other things. I don't glory or boast in other things. Doesn't that beg the question, what do you boast in? Well, what are you boasting? You know, some people boast in their good works. Well, I'm a good person. I help Jerry's kids. I help out the March of Dimes. I run for cancer research. I'm a good person. Listen, none of those things are bad. All of those things are good. But don't trust in those things to make you righteous. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't trust in those things to make you righteous. Some people boast in their religious affiliation. Well, you know, I'm a fourth Generation Baptist. And You got to say it like that. See, I'm learning. I'm from up north, y'all, but I'm learning. It's Baptist. I'm a fourth generation Baptist. My grand peppy was a Baptist. My peppy's peppy was a Baptist. My peppy's peppy's peppy was a Baptist. They glory in their, you know, their religious affiliation. Well, I'm a member of the Catholic Church. Well, I'm a member of the Episcopal Church. Well, I go to Calvary Chapel. Man, I go to Calvary Chapel. How are you boasting that? Some people boast in those kinds of things. Some people boast in their intellect. And because of their intellect, they reject the message of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23, you might want to write that down. As Paul said, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, foolishness. The cross causes people to stumble. Now, here's the message of the cross. Listen, saints, and it's the message of grace and it's a message for you and it's a message for me. Here's the message of the cross. Jesus Christ, the son of God, died for the sin of all humanity, past, present and future. And listen, no matter what you have done. Are you listening? No matter what you have done, if you accept Jesus before you take your last breath on earth, you will go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. So people say, you mean to tell me that you can live your entire life as a sinner, you can live your entire life with sex, drugs, rock and roll, hip hop. Just trying to be relevant, some of y'all into that too. You can live your entire life You could murder someone. And at the end of your life, Rodney, you mean to tell me you could do all of these things, you could murder someone, and at the end of your life, in the 11th hour, you can lay there and accept Jesus Christ into your heart, and you can take your last breath and go to heaven? Is that what you're telling me, Rodney? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't confuse it. Don't get it twisted. I'm not encouraging you to live your life this way. Do I need to say that, Doc? Okay, I said it, okay. But what I am saying is that you, this is what we call grace. Now, you should give your life to Jesus today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. When you hear God's voice, don't your heart. You should give your life to Jesus today, not wait until you're on your deathbed and, and hope that you have an opportunity to take your last breath. Hello, that's your problem. Because you, how do you know you're going to have your opportunity in the, lab, in the 11th hour? You don't know that. You don't know that. You know what I mean? people in the graveyard right now that didn't know they were going to die the day they died? I would say go ask them, but you can't. <laughs> you don't know you're going to have 11th hour. But what I'm saying is that if you have an 11th hour, I know what I'm talking about. I was at Western Wake and I held the hand of a man in the emergency room and he couldn't speak to me. But I believe he could hear me. And I read the Bible to him and his son was right there. And I read the Bible to him, and I prayed with him. I prayed for him, and I asked him, if you can hear me. I said, if you can hear me, I said, just squeeze my finger. And just enough, I knew he could hear me. Ask him if he wanted to accept Jesus. Eleventh hour I'm talking about. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Squeeze my finger. Just a little bit. Gave his life to Christ deathbed salvation took his last breath several hours later, went home, I believe, to be with Jesus. It can happen. It can... I'm going to wait. That's exciting. (laughs) I'm going to wait. That's what we call grace. And see, we don't understand that. We don't... We say, oh, you're going to live your life the way you want to live your life. Then, hey, we're not going to give you an opportunity. We don't really get that. But this is grace. Why do people have a problem with grace? Why do people have a problem with grace? I... I will never understand why people have a problem with grace when in fact it was by grace that you became saved. How is it that you get saved by grace, but then as the years go by, you need to stay saved by the law? Y'all know I'm a priest to myself. That's okay. I'm, uh, I don't know if you get me or not. Is it that you got saved by grace, but you're going to stay saved by keeping yourself saved. When you gave your life to Christ, it had nothing to do with you. You were going the other way. God came running you down. You stopped taking a breath. He was standing right there. He tapped you on your shoulder. You're like, oh, I'm trying to get away from you. You can't get away from him because he loves you enough to keep running you down. That was me. And so God runs us down by his grace. He loves us by his grace. He receives us by his grace. We receive him in our heart by his grace. But then all of a sudden, when we get saved some years later after we became spiritual, then all of a sudden now we want to stay saved by the law, by legalism. Watch it. Watch it. Don't misunderstand me. We're not talking about a life that is not holy and committed and dedicated to the Lord. Absolutely, for the believer, we need to talk about holiness. We need to talk about purity. We need to talk about the the, the life that we need to live that is pleasing unto God. But let's be sure that we are not crossing over into this thing called legalism and keeping ourselves saved. And now it becomes about what I do to stay saved. Because you are devaluing the cross and you are taking away from its worth. You are devaluing what Jesus did on the cross. These are the things Paul says, I'm boasting in these kinds of things. That's why Paul boasts in the cross and not in himself and not in what he could do. Are you hearing me? we got to get this, saints, because if you don't understand this whole grace thing, you're going to find yourself down the path of legalism and disappointment and despair. And in many people, they find themselves backslidden and far away from God because they kept trying to keep themselves saved, only to get to the point where they realize that I can't keep myself saved. It's by grace and grace alone. Sola gratia. Grace and grace alone. Amen. Amen. Grace and grace alone. Paul said, I'm not boasting in the things of the world. I boast in glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Love this verse. I love to share it. For God made him Christ who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, someone once wrote, a sinless Jesus became sin-filled so that sin-filled people could be sin-free. Don't you love that? A sinless Jesus became sin-filled so that sin-filled people could be sin-free. Jesus died for us. Then notice in verse 15, Paul says, I glory and I boast in what Jesus did on the cross. And because of that, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And circumcision doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't matter. But a new creation. In other words, there's been a death to my carnal nature and the worldliness is crucified. And it doesn't matter what rules we keep or we don't keep. The only thing that matters is being born again, the new creation. Are you listening? Remember Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born of the spirit. You see, being born of the spirit has nothing to do with being religious. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not against traditional church. I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm not against traditional church. And, you know, some tradition is wonderful. You know, we have the tradition of baptism. That's wonderful. We have the ritual and the tradition of communion. That's wonderful. Some tradition is wonderful. And I'm not against liturgy. Some liturgy is beautiful. But I am against religious systems that tell you that if you keep a set of do's and don'ts, a set of rules of do's and don'ts and rituals, that you can be saved. I am against that. Amen. I am against religious systems that tell you you can be saved if you join. Mm. Uh-huh. Amen. If you join. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, Pastor Rodney, I love the church and I want to make this my home church. I want to join the church. I tell them, you can't. They go, oh, Close, close, membership, huh? Go, no, no, you can't. I can't. Nope, you can't. Why? Because you can't. I can't. Why? You know, it's like who's on first, what's on second. We just go back and forth with that for a while. You can't join the church because you you, you can't join it. You have to be born into it. Amen. Amen. So are you born again? Well, yeah, I'm born again. Okay, well then come to church. <laughs> Come as long as you like. And then when the Lord tells you, stop coming, stop coming. Go to another church. That's the way we do it here. We don't have membership here at Calvary Chapel. You know that. Really, the reason why we don't have membership is because we... You know, we don't see it to be biblical and we don't see it to be necessary. Honestly, it's just another bunch of records that we have to keep for no real reason. The state doesn't require it. Yes, we have accountability in terms of tithes and offerings and finances and we know uh, names as it relates to that kind of thing. But in terms of membership to join the church, you can't join this church and you really can't join the church universally. You have to be born into it. And when you are born again, then you are already a part of the church. So just come to church. The Lord leads you to come to this church? Great. The Lord leads you to go to another church? Great. Go where the Lord would have you to go. And be where God has called you to be, but serve while you're there. And be a blessing while you're there. You know, we don't ever want someone to, to think because they signed, they're saved. <laughs> because they signed, they're saved. So we don't have church membership. Paul goes on to say in verse 16. Paul says, listen, if you guys want some rules, then here's some rules. Circumcision doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't matter. But the new birth and even in Paul's closing comments, I get the feeling. I get the feeling that Paul's kind of banging on the Judaizers one last time. He says, you want to know who the true Israel of God is? As many as walk according to this rule, that we are born again, that we are saved by grace. And there is peace on them and mercy. And then in verse 17, are you looking at it? Verse 17 has become one of my new favorite verses. I love it. I'm going to make it my life verse. Everybody has life verse. Here's mine. From now on, let no one trouble me. I'm making it my life verse. Honestly, Michelle, get me a plaque for my door, okay? I want from now on, let no man... I, I'm serious. I think, we need to, I think we need to market this thing. I'm, I think I'm on to something. I do from now on. We could get, get T-shirts and hats and bumper stickers and wristbands. From now on, let no one trouble me. Somebody come say something you don't like, you know, just throw them your shirt. You know, if somebody come knock at my door, I can just stick my hand out because I put a plaque over my door. From now on, let no man trouble me. I just stick my hand out and go. <laughs> Paul says, From now on, let no man trouble me. But here's why. All right, here's all joking aside. Here's why. He says, For I bear in my body, are you looking at it? The mar- Look at it. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now, listen, Paul isn't talking about stigmata. What is stigmata, Rodney? Well, stigmata, listen, refers to body marks resembling the wounds that Jesus suffered. They appear on the hands and the feet, the chest, the shoulders, the back. We call that stigmata. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul is referring to actual scars of persecution and suffering. It's almost as if Paul was saying to the Judaizers, again, like one last bang. Context, 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 Okay. One last bang. You guys want to talk about circumcision? You guys want to talk about marks on the body? Paul says, I'll show you marks. He says, I bear my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus. And then you can reference that to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 25. Paul says, I've labored, I've persecuted. I've been, I've been persecuted. I've been beaten five times with 40 stripes. I've been shipwrecked. I've been floating in the sea at night and day in perils in the water. By Gentiles. In the, in, in the wilderness, Paul goes on to give a litany of things that he has suffered for the cause of Christ. Paul says, Nobody should trouble me because I bear the marks of my faith in Jesus, and it isn't circumcision, it's my scars for the cause of Christ and my faith and my commitment. And truly, listen, if this Christian life, as we talk about the Christian life, is a battleground and not a playground, if, in fact, we are soldiers in the army of the Lord, then unfortunately, listen, the natural result of true Christian service will be scars. Every Christian, in some way, has should have, actually, because it's a part of the warfare. Some scars. You know, I, I think of Amy Carmichael, and I, I absolutely love this, this statement, this poem that she wrote, and and I actually try to read it as often as I can. Amy Carmichael, she writes, Hast thou no scars? No hidden scar on foot or side or hand. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Has thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by my archer's spent, leaned me against a tree to die in rent by ravening beasts that compass me. I swooned. Has thou no wound? No wound? No scar. Yes, says the master, shall thy servant be. And pierced are the feet that follow me. But thou, thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound, no scar? We're going to have scars in this life as a Christian. We're going to have scars. Here on earth, not in heaven. There's no wounds in heaven. But we're going to have scars. A part of the Christian life. Paul says, these Judaizers, you guys are trying to get people to take a mark in their outward flesh. He says, I'll show you scars. I have scars from the ministry. Every believer is going to have scars. And then finally, in verse 18, I kind of feel sad. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And the church said, "Amen." I find it interesting. One last thing about grace. I find it interesting. Paul began this letter with grace, and he ends this letter with grace. Because it's all about grace.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.